When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, I'm Lydia. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Adam. Let's talk Hoya. Hello, everybody. Anya. Hola. Hey. Welcome. Uh, hello. To <laughs> Let's talk Hoya. Wait, we were supposed to do this monotone because that person said that you blow their speakers out in their office and they gave us two stars. Cause oh, yeah, because the screaming is unbearable. The so. screaming. Hello, everybody. I thought that was just inside my head. <laughs> Welcome to Let's Talk Hoya. We are hoping that this episode doesn't bore you, but we're talking about bore Neo. So Ugh, we're get out. So <laughs> excited to have you here today. Do you think this is sufficient to to show that person that they can just f off or send us a DM next time? Maybe and we should whisper. Maybe we could figure it out before you give us a really bad review. But if we start whispering, the whisper police is gonna come get us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we're no, not bitter about it. Not at all. No, but you know, we never said this was for everybody. So if it's not for you, then it was nice having you, but welcome not back to you. <laughs> if, you if you hate joy, then sorry. Yeah. Then wrong podcast. Hey. But if you decide is... to stay. <laughs> Hank is over here trying to light himself on fire. He's think, like, what is the most crazy thing I think he thought I that candle do? was food. He was like, mm, I have never good. seen anybody who actually blows out those candles. What do you do? Usually you don't put the lid underneath. You keep it on the side and then you just put the lid on it and then it turns it off and then the smoke doesn't go everywhere. It suffocates the fire. Yeah, but I love the smell of smoke. Oh, it's not good for you. Okay. Pyromaniac. I was. I was. Okay. Borneo. Borneo. So this was from a listener, listener suggestion. We had asked some of you all or all of you all, if you guys (laughs) had any recommendations of things that you would like to hear about. And a few of you guys were like, it'd be really cool to hear about like where Hoya are endemic to and the regions and how that affects, you know, your care and like what you're doing. And so we're going to talk about one of the biggest ones, I feel like. One of the bigger ones, aside from New Guinea, Borneo. Yeah. Borneo is a giant island comprised of three countries, which has always been interesting to me. It is the only island that is owned by three countries. Because you have Haiti and the Dominican Republic, the same island, but it's half and half, you know? Mm-hmm. Borneo's three, so you have Malaysia in Man- Brunei, mm-hmm. Malaysia, 
in Indonesia. And that's just wild to me. I don't know. I know. But Indonesia is over the bigger, biggest part of mm-hmm. Borneo, which is Kalimantan. And Malaysia inhabits Sabah and Sarawak. And then Brunei is its own little it's small little, region. Tiny little, yeah. yeah own and little that's, area. that's the only part of Brunei. Like that is Brunei. Yeah. Which is wild to me because Malaysia has a bunch of islands and Indonesia has a bunch of islands. Brunei is just like a little tiny port on uh, Borneo, you know? Yeah, but it is crazy because it's like one single island and then all of these places share it. So I wonder, I mean, it has to get murky at times, I'm sure. They said that there is over 700 languages spoke on that island. That's crazy. That's wild, right? I barely know one. Yeah, you know two. (laughs) I barely know the two. (laughs) (laughs) But imagine like you end up there and then you're looking for a bathroom and it's like let me run through the repertoire of the two languages i know and none of them are helpful yeah. oh i'd be stuck pointing at my butt the whole time <laughs> just is it's, that what the sign language is for poop <laughs> but i don't know there's there's american sign language there's oh, sign right. language yeah. is different for every single country right. too so i'm really glad that we're doing this borneo deep dive because the more I've learned about Borneo, the more I like appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's one of the most biodiverse places on the planet. It does sound pretty awesome. With, yeah. It has like about 200 mammals. From what I was reading, 200 mammals, 40 of them are native to Borneo and 15,000 plant species. And 11,000 of those are flowering plants with a third of them being indigenous just to Borneo. And I feel like we're just one up at each other here. <laughs> It I'm is just home, back and forth. <laughs> it is home to the world's largest flower, which, which is? I have a piece of paper here because I wrote it down. Um, so old school. You brought your little paper. That's so cute. I know. <laughs> the The world's largest flower, it's a Rafflesia or Arnoldi, mm. and it looks very akin to a Pokemon. Oh, really? Oh. Uh, but it can grow up to three feet across and weigh 15 pounds. That's crazy. And they said it's, they don't really know... It doesn't seem to have a lot of foliage or root system, so it's mm-hmm. almost like it's like um, a parasitic type of flower. Oh. But they grow, and they're huge. It looks like a death, like one of those corpse flowers. Yeah, but it's flat. Okay. And it looks like the top of one of the Pokemon, but I don't know which Pokemon. Yeah. Do you I'm know Pokemon, Lydia? She is. Show her the picture. Look. Oh, a little bit of trypophobia here. Ooh, oh. She does not like that. Like... You're tr- oh, I didn't know you were trypophobic. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's why, I don't, you know. that's why I don't do begonias. Oh. They freak me out. Did not know that. Yeah, and then I feel like I have spots all over you me. You can be best friends <laughs> with someone and not even know. Okay. <laughs> 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 do you want to see another picture? No, I don't. Okay. It's huge, though. It's like, it's a big red flower. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, there's somebody like looking into it. Yeah. It like, it has a hole in the middle where like your whole head could go through it. They're gigantic. I want to see that in person. Look, this one doesn't have the little holes in it. Are you Googling it? Yeah, because I know which Pokemon it is. Gloom. Gloom. Let me see. It looks like Gloom. It kind of looks like Vileplume. It does. That's that's what it was made after, I'm sure. Boom. Bam. Done. Anyway, uh, so it's wild. Third largest island in the world. Most diverse place on Earth. And I think we need to go. 
I found some places that do expeditions, 14 to 16 people, private tours. You stay for like two weeks. They have a whole oh itinerary. Oh my gosh. I really want to. So you thought about it a little bit? I did. I, <laughs> I, I looked like, into it. I want to like find somebody though that does the expeditions like just for Hoya and go with them. Yeah, true. Because this was just a wildlife, but it did show like, it did show like plants and stuff, mm-hmm. but it was mostly for like the different animals on there. But I would rather it be just Hoya. So when it comes to Borneo, there's so much logging and deforestation that's happening. And a lot of those areas are supposed to be protected. I don't really know all the specifics of how that works, but I'm pretty sure to be able to take plant specimens from those islands, like you have to have some kind of like conservation license. So it'd be really cool to go with someone who's like a part of that. And so then yeah. if we like see a new species, be like, all right, go take a cutting of that and let's take it back. And, you know, like yeah. that'd be so cool to be like, to be able to be part of that. Yeah. And then Lydia could name them all Lydia one, Lydia two, oh Lydia three. <laughs> Do you think you'd be able to handle the bugs though? Because there are some big bugs that I saw. <sighs> because the other night. I don't when, think she would. Because the other night when you were leaving my house, a scorpion crawled along the sidewalk. And the blood-curdling scream that came out of you. <laughs> I have it on video, by the way. Maybe maybe I get used to it. Maybe the key is that I just don't wear my glasses. That would be good. Yeah, you can walk straight into a snake pit. <sighs> I would never let that happen to you. I would never even get near one. I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing, and I don't want to know what that is. <laughs> don't tell me. I've got pictures. <laughs> it's just a, a pit of snakes. Literally, like just a pit of snakes. No. I don't know. I would I would still try it once just to to see if I could do it, you know. Yeah. A little bit about like the some parts, some unique things about Borneo is there is a large and there's one in Malaysia too, a different part of Malaysia, mainland Malaysia. I don't even know if there's a mainland Malaysia, but regardless, like 10,000 or so years ago when all of the the oceans, the levels fell, mm-hmm. it left of a, a large saltwater lake in, like uh, in the Borneo. So there's like a lake in Borneo that's not connected to anything else. It's saltwater. And all of the, that plant life and those um, animals, mm-hmm. ocean life, are just like kind of stuck there in this little area. And there's a lot of jellyfish there that are now protected, but they don't sting because they have no predators because they're not out in the open ocean. So like as time has gone on, they've lost that defense mechanism because they didn't need to use it. Interesting. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah, wow. that is really cool. But also sad because they said now that tourism's like on the rise, mm. that's threatening that whole area. But, mm. you know. Womp womp. <laughs> Maybe that's why Mother Nature is making airplane rides so turbulent. Yeah. She wants us to stop touring the world. <laughs> but yeah, like I just, it's so, it's so weird to think about like these plants, they only live there, these ocean plants. Because of that, the way that that place formed. And now that's like the only home that they have. That's crazy. But Borneo being like so big, there's so many different environments and climates that are there. But they say just like in general, when you mention Borneo, that it's a equatorial climate, which means that it's hot and humid. Mm-hmm. Hate that. <laughs> the plants like it. I don't. Hate that. Was that Hank? I don't know. That was definitely not Hank right there. That was Lydia. Gosh, these cats. Okay. Uh, it's well, it's going to be Let's Talk Hoya and Meow. 
Hawaii. Yeah. What are some of the climates? Well, before I went into like the main like forest zones, like I just wanted to kind of mention because it is an island. But when you start like at sea level, um, you know, there's like the beaches or the sand. And then as you keep on going like up in elevation, it goes from like mossy forest to like drier, you know, type of environment. So it's it's a very diverse, diverse area. Um, they say that Borneo is largely mountainous and it has extensive lowlands, uh, especially in central Kalimantan and Sarawak. But it's also an island that's super rainforesty and it's a super, super dense rainforest. And there's rivers. <laughs> lots of rivers. There's lots and lots of rivers. They say the largest parts of the most navigatable um, rivers are in Kalimantan. And that's one of the more well-explored areas. But as you go more north. <laughs> as you go more this way. As you go more north, <laughs> the island narrows and the rivers become narrower. And up until recently, that was the most least known part of the world, they said. Um, a lot of the northern interior part of Borneo. But... Now it's being explored and people are going into it because I'm sure they're looking for more areas to log and deforest and make into palm oil plants and things of that nature. Yeah. So, Wow, that's insane. We're going to have to fund some re some Hoya researchers to like be one step ahead collecting all the Hoyas or else I can't imagine how many we're actually missing out on. Yeah, I mean, but scientists work hard, but capitalism works harder, yo. Very true. Yeah, um, yeah. I was watching some information about Borneo and then the logging situation. And, and I can't blame the folks who are actually doing the work because literally everyone they interviewed, they're like, I, this pays three times what any job would ever pay. Yeah. And I get to put my kids through school and I get to send them to university and give them a better life. And they don't have the people doing it. Don't have ill intent. No, but the companies that are, or hiring, hiring them. them. And it's and it's bad. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really bad. Um, Borneo has the last primary forest of Southeast Asia. And a primary forest, I didn't know what it was. The cats They're are all, on it's something. It's okay. They're going to be in this episode forever. Um, that was one of my cats just barreling up my shelves. Climbing the roof. Uh, shelves that they're supposed to climb on. But anyway, the primary forest is basically just a forest that has been untouched by humans and has survived since ancient times. That's crazy. And it's really sad to know that they're they're tearing that down. Yeah, and you were saying about the orangutans? Yeah, that, that's one of the last places that they live in their natural habitat. That is so freaking sad. But there's also lots of tribal, tri not tribal, but tribes, mm -hmm. like that like are in the are middle of the forest. Yeah. And they're literally just like, putting their houses on trucks and driving them out of there. And it's wow. just like, what the heck? That's crazy. Just to pillage the resources of wood, like diamonds, gold. Like I know that it's an island. It's going to have a lot of resources, but, come but it's on. so sad. Just like that natural habitat, how beautiful it is, how diverse it is. And you're just losing all of it. Like it, all of that, that yeah, beautiful nature that's there. Care. Yeah, it's just going to be gone. 
Oh, man. But with um, Borneo being a rainforest, there's two main characteristics when it comes to the environment, which I feel like plays like a big role as to why our Hoya are the way that they are. But one of the biggest characteristics is there's two seasons, two main seasons in Borneo. And one is that there's a period between October and March that they call a wet monsoonal period and heavy rain. But any other time besides that time period between October and March is considered the dry period. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then during that time, typically, is when there's drought and no moisture, no rain. And so they're saying that, you know, Hoyer adapted to have, like, the succulent, like, leaves to be able to go through those periods of drought. And so if you think about it, like, totally makes sense. Yeah. And mm-hmm. why probably a lot of them, like go on like tree bark moss like they're gonna latch on to other things that maybe also collect water so that even if they dry out then there's a little bit more to tap on nearby <laughs> tap on it that's why they can handle my depression <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure uh, but in Borneo, there's nine main forest zones that are typically nine. like nine. Nine. Wow. Yeah. So we're going to start at sea level and then go all the way up into the highest elevation, which I believe the highest elevation is 3,700. All right. I've got my hanging shoes on. Yeah. Dang. I know. And there's different kind of Hoya in every single zone. And some are found in like all of them. Like Verticillata, who's like a trooper, lived through literally anything, yeah. apparently. <laughs> the, yeah. Except it's for the, my house. <laughs> Verticillata is the Twinkie or the cockroach of the plant world. Yes. <laughs> yes. I actually read there's caves in Borneo. And one of the caves is known as like cockroach cave because oh. of the amount of cockroaches that live in there. And with mm. our luck, that's where we'd end up at. We're going to start at sea level. Mm-hmm. So at sea level, at, from sea level to 30 M. When it says M, is it meters? meters okay. Yeah. So from sea level to Which, 30 meters. R- real quick. Whenever you're looking at like Hoya publications, it will tell you like the location, the ge- geographical mm-hmm. location. And it usually says like 30 M ASL. Oh, what's which that? Above sea level. Mm. Wow. But, but you know, you Google ASL and you're just going to come up with American, American Sign language. language. But I, I was like, what can this stand for? And then I was like, oh, above, above sea, sea level. Because that's usually what after, which is after a meter. Wow. The more you know. Yeah. What an educational podcast. We're done for today. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. <laughs> So thirty they go the lowlands goes from sea level to thirty meters? Yeah, so it's from sea level to thirty meters is the coastal seashore, heath forest, and island vegetation. So basically what that is, it's the coastline of the forest. So like the outer perimeter of the island. The coastline also has it's called a coastline heath forest. So basically what that is, it's the moist forest, but it has that sandy sto- soil with very, very poor nutrients. Um, but this area doesn't have too, too many Hoya, but some of the ones that you'll find there are like Spartuides, Sipitangensis, wow. Diversifolia, Impralis, Comingiana, and Verticillata. 
Nice. Wow. Which some of those, it's really surprising. Diversifolia, I'm not surprised because it's like a weed. Well, like sparty ladies? Yeah. I'm like, okay, you cannot live in pond <laughs> here, but you can live in like sand. Okay. Getting blasted by seawater and all know. that salt. Yeah, because some of that area is just rocky spree. So it's just rocks on the coastline. So it's like a mix of like sandy soils, a little bit of forest, a little bit of island vegetation. And just like, just think of like when you see like lost and yeah. the plane lands and they're like <laughs> trying to like get off the island, like that area. Girl, the plane didn't land. It crashed. Oh, it crashed. <laughs> okay. In Lydia's mind, everything is happy. Therefore, the plane landed. It ripped in half. <laughs> no, it and landed. It fell onto this island. <laughs> in a very exciting way. <laughs> you know, but I remember we were talking about Ted Green and I've been, we were like looking and I've just like been consuming all the Ted Green stuff. Mm-hmm. He talked about taking Spartioides back to Borneo because it was becoming endangered or extinct from the area he first found it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they're saying that for it's like something about it made it difficult for the seed to like disperse and then continue on, and so it was becoming like endangered in the wild. Do we think that's why it's self-pollinating? I don't know. <sighs> Maybe. Bum, bum, bum. But so, for those of you guys that don't know, pretty sure. Pretty positive. Pretty positive. <laughs> 110% positive <laughs> that Spartioides is self-pollinating. So They're only saying that because they can't get seeds on theirs. <laughs> but everybody else do it. Like, it must be self-pollinating. <laughs> I'm just teasing. That's true, though. It's, well, it's because people are like, I think it's the fungus gnats. <laughs> yeah, I don't think fungus gnat like pollinarium is too big for a fungus gnat yeah. to like, pull out. And, yeah, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that they're... Because when we're at April's greenhouse, she had like 30 individual different like seed pots all over her plant mm-hmm. and she was like it's self-pollinating yeah <laughs> so cool i know exciting okay so from zero to 30 meters we have the coastal and estuarine mangrove and swamp forests so these are the areas where there's freshwater swamps um and trees start popping up in these areas it's pretty rare though they say to find any kind of hoya in the mangroves but they do really like the swampy areas so in those swampy areas they found diversifolia multiflora obtusifolia coronaria and emperalis Mm -hmm. the emperalis getting around i know i'm trying to think if there's like different those hoya i know a few of them emperalis you wouldn't consider that thin-leafed emperalis no no no. Multiflora thin leaf? No, or you don't consider that thin leaf? Well, that one does surprise me because to me, multiflora is like a terrestrial, like mm-hmm. bushy type grows from the ground. Mm-hmm. And if it's in a swamp, then it's constantly soaked. So, like, what does that say about care, you know? But also, it has to be pretty hardy if they're able to find it in like the heath forest because. That's sandy soils with hardly like any nutrition. Yeah. So you have to think like hoyas that grow in those area have to be pretty sturdy yeah. to be able to like make it. So it just must be one of those ones that are just sturdier than mm. others, you Maybe know? Steel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then the third area, which is from zero to 50 meters, is the peat swamp forests, which they say this is a really big forest that's extensive throughout Kalimantan and Sarawak 
which is what, where a lot of our little Hoyer mm-hmm. found. Mm-hmm. And some common ones that are found there are Verticillata diversifolia. And very, very rarely, they find Mapigera there sometimes. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I thought that was a pretty, like, delicate Hoyer, no? You know, it. I always thought it was, but these days... People surprise me. Really? Uh, yeah. Hoya surprised me. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that are saying that they're growing their thin leaved Hoya in ambient. So who knows? Who? Yeah. Dang. Who even knows anymore? I'm trying okay. to remember what the Mapajera looks like. So I'm. It's a, it's a thin leaved Hoya. Okay. Mm-hmm. Looks like a lemon tree. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> just kidding. It doesn't actually. I just looked it up. It's yeah. got a bit of a thicker leaf. Mm, no. <laughs> I mean, it's a thin leaf Hoya. I think I think pictures can be deceiving sometimes. Yeah. Maybe it's a thin leaf Hoya. Okay. So Mapichera. Yeah, but they say very, very rarely they see Mapichera there. You got one of those from um, April. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I remember when a couple you did. years ago. Yeah, I said I want a cutting of that. I still don't have one. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Probably dead anyway. <laughs> Yeah, All the right. other day in your stories when you just put uh, R.I.P. to whatever this was. And I was just like, <laughs> I don't want to give you any more Hoya. <laughs> you know what Hoya that was? That was the one that TGP bought me my first Christmas. Oh, dang. What was that? Was it a... I don't remember. It's something variegated. Wait. Wait, 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 was. Oh, no. That was your your, um, DACA-versary gift. Oh, yeah, it was. For the DACA renewal? Yeah, it was. TGP got me that one. (laughs) Hey, it lived a while. Because I'm on like two DACAs later. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Woof, woof. There we go. (laughs) It gave you joy. It did. It really did. It is. Okay, so the first one, upwards to 300 meters. Now we get to the dipterocarp mixed lowland and riverine forests, which dipterocarp is a specific type of tree mm-hmm. that we're seeing up until like this point in the forest. And they're very widespread up until a certain elevation in Borneo. Um, but basically the lowland dipterocarp and the riverine forests, um, which basically is, you know, there's rivers flowing, there's these nice big tall trees there, and it's a fan favorite of Hoya. There's a lot of different species that scientists have found here, um, 17 plus different species wow. here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dipterocarpa, I was just looking it up to verify, but those are those kind of trees that have the very big like buttress type roots that are almost like mm-hmm. like little walls that like curve. Those mm-hmm. are so cool. Mm-hmm. I found one in Hawaii and it looked like a toilet. <laughs> well. Uh, well, I think everyone needs to know, did you? No. Okay. Did I? I did sit on it, but I have okay. my clothes on. Okay. But there are these like big trees and they create a nice shady area, have really nice understories with a lot of different strata and shrubs. And so Hoya just really like being there, um, being underneath the canopies of the trunks. Um, and so in areas where they're along like streams and rivers, some of the more common Hoya that they found on these trees is like the glabra, the diversifolia. In the canopies, like higher up where there's a little bit more light, they found Spartioides, Lasiantha, Danumensis, um, and then some of the epiphytic 
climbing varieties just kind of all over the forest. Um, once again, Verticillata. And then at this point, they start seeing like Latifolia, wow. Rincii, Clappenbergii, Scorchinii. Um, but there's over 17 species that they find in this type of area. So. Dang. Yeah. Look, so Diversifolia really that's is That's me like, standing inside of one. <laughs> that That is it. Look at that. Dipterocarp. It kind of looks like a boat. Yeah. yeah. But see how the walls are? Yeah. yeah they're high. That's wild. But like, just think about it. Like, that's a great place for Hoya. There's some light that comes yeah, through, but it's shaded. So yeah, it's protected. And then this is the areas where there's like a lot of rivers. And so I'm sure it's nice and humid and there's water flow coming through. So. Wow. Yeah. A nice. dream. Nice, popular little area. Our Hoya were living there, and then we brought them to our house. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> They're like, what the hell? <laughs> if you really think about it, there's <laughs> never any water here. Yeah. <laughs> Pobrecitas. And so then when you go upwards to 300 to 800 meters, um, you still have the dipterocarp forest, but it's mixed in with hills. So this area is higher in elevation, so the nights are cooler. And there's a lot more rainfall in this area. So what they find is along the areas where there's like rivers and streams, those are usually good habitats for Hoyas and where they're found. Um, but they also see a lot of them on the east side of the slopes where there's more sun that comes through for Hoyas as well. Oh. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they said the east side is also where there's higher moisture and more rainfall, and mm. the temperatures get cooler at night. So um, there's a ton that are found there. There's Ignorata, Medinillifolia, Semananiana. It's mm-hmm. one of your... But these are like thinner-leafed Hoya. Um, Bacariae, Acicularis, Chuiorum, Wimaniae, Lambiae, Clemenciorum are common ones that they find in that area. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, um, Lydia just like rolling those off her tongue. <laughs> yeah, just boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alrighty, so then when we get into like the 800 to 1200, which I feel like at this point is like the mid zone of the forest, you hit the upper hill forests, which... Um, just like the mixed hill, with that increased altitude, you see more rainfall, temperatures get even lower, and now there's less dipterocarp trees that are coming through. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing oak trees and a okay. lot of different kind of trees that are starting to grow in these areas. And they said that there's not too many Hoya here. Um, and what you do see is in the canopies of some of the other trees, um, some of the Hoya that they found are the Naihusi and Hamiltonorium. Wow. Mm-hmm. I know. That's the one that Toril yeah. found, right? Yeah, so she, I mean, she was really hiking. going, yeah, <laughs> because at this place, the upper hill forest, so you're like, yeah, I get about 30 feet in, there, find like, me a diversifolio, be like, time to go home, I'm not climbing this mountain. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And Toriel was like, Vamanos, Andale. <laughs> She's like up, going up, up. up there. Wow. So then from there, we start hitting from 1200 to 2200 elevation, and you're starting to hit the mountains now. 
So this is the lower montane to upper montane forest in that area. And this is when the Hoyas, like you start seeing less and less of them, um, especially in this area. It's like right before you're hitting like outside of the clouds. So it's super cloudy. It's misty. The temperatures are really low. There's a lot of wind. There's a lot of condensation. Um, and so there aren't, there isn't too much going on but they say because the temperature is lower there's a lot of like leaf litter and organic matter that takes a long time to oxidize and provides good nutrients mm. for the plants so there are some hoya that they find there which actually kind of surprised me because some of these are known to be very finicky like corombosa hamiltoniorum are known to be pretty picky hoya mm-hmm. um um, and Naihusi and Retrosa are also found in these areas. Wow. So would they be getting a lot of light? They would not be getting a lot of light because it's it like would, right where the clouds are. So it's always mostly covered by clouds. And temperatures and, would be cold. Yeah, like in the midday, there's a lot of mist that comes through. The temperatures are always low and it's windy and there's a lot of condensation. So I'm sure it's like very humid, but mm-hmm. it's not like a lot of light or anything like that. So wow. I wonder if those would be better in an environment, like in a cabinet like lower that light. didn't have grow lights, but was in, away from a window. Mm-hmm. And like super high It'd humidity. interesting to try. Yeah. I actually just recently got a Hamiltoniorum. Are you going to stick it in a not very bright area? It already kind of is. It's like the furthest away from one of my grow lights and it's just sitting in a little corner in like 90% humidity, but the foliage is fuzzy. I want to see. You just keep getting all these new Hoya that I'm like, we don't even talk about it. It's like, I don't even, I don't even know you anymore. (laughs) So here we are. I was going to choose Hamilton Orium Uh because it was like Hamilton. Like Hamilton. Like the Broadway show. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Hola, Hoya friends. So we launched our Patreon, a.k.a. Peduncle Pals. It's been a joy connecting more with all of you, chatting in our Facebook group, and sharing more behind the scenes through our exclusive Patreon episodes every month. We're blown away by your support, and we're so grateful for every one of you that is joining us on this club. You can subscribe through our Patreon link through our Instagram bio, episode descriptions, or show notes. See you there. Looking to elevate your gardening game this season? Well, look no further than Coast of Maine, your go-to source for premium organic soils for over 28 years. Organic approved and sourced from oceans and farms, their full range of garden and lawn products are designed to restore roots to the natural world. So picture this. You're struggling with lackluster soil, just like I did last year, and your garden plans just aren't thriving. And that was until we discovered Coast of Maine. Their products infuse my soil with the healthy microbes and nutrients it was craving, resulting in vibrant outdoor plants that practically thanked me for the upgrade. Omri listed and crafted from natural ingredients like lobster shells and fish bones, their products not only nourish your plants, but also your peace of mind. Are you ready to take your garden to the next level? Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. That's why their products are carried by local retail partners who provide advice and insight, not just found in big box stores. And Coast of Maine knows from beginning to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community of gardeners everywhere. Their products make organic gardening simple and approachable for everyone. 
Let's get growing together. Visit coastofmaine.com today. That's coastofmaine with an E dot com. All right, so now we're almost making it through. We to the are. Apex. We're almost to the top. So I'm this tired, is guys. All this hiking. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like <laughs> right in the middle of one of the hills at about like five hundred to a thousand meters, um, and it's characterized by heath forests, mm-hmm. but it's different than the coastal heath forests because the coastal heath forests are like much more sandier. Um, but this area is formed between the valleys and hills. And so also has very high rainfall, lower temperatures, but it's much more shrubby because this part has a lot of light exposure. And so there's a lot more like shrubs and a lot more variety of trees. Um, And so because of the diversity, there's upwards to like 15 different Hoya that they find in this area. Two of the ones, Calistophylla, Nabawaensis. They also find Forbesii, Ignorata here, Mapigera, Weimaniae, but also Diversifolia. I feel like Diversifolia is just all over. Yeah, Diversifolia yeah. is the Diversifolia, Verticillata, the <laughs> they're like all over Borneo. It really is though. I had one that had like scale root mealies <laughs> and like the other mealies all at once. And that thing is... Still growing. Two types, <laughs> two different types of mealies. Yeah. That's wild because the diversifolia has literally been in every single. Yeah. Level. Yeah. All altitude. of the ones except for like when it's like the highest altitude. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really surprising because I feel like in like those like very, very like higher altitudes, less light, like the verticillatas and the diversifolias would be there. But it's interesting to me that some of the like less common ones are in that area. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah. But okay, last one. Last one is at the peak, 3,700 meters. You're going to find the ultramific soils, which basically is <laughs> terrible. Okay. The most terrible. So ultramific soils are characterized by being high in magnesium, low in calcium. They usually have a high level of heavy metals like nickel and they're super, super low. (laughs) They're super, super low in potassium and phosphate. So nothing, Nothing you would think nothing grows there. It ain't, you know, it ain't looking good (laughs) at the top of the mountain. But that's where diversifolia comes from. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Actually, so there's there's usually not a whole lot of Hoya that are common here or even like a lot of vegetation. They say even the trees there and the shrubs are super stunted because the soil conditions are so, so poor. But the Hoya that they have found, they have found a Sicularis, Clemenciorum, Danimensis, and Womaniae. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, but my Womaniae mm-hmm. died after I didn't water it like twice. <laughs> And Danumensis is a thin-leafed Hoya. Yeah. And then Clemenciorum. As a babe. Yeah, one of those prehistoric-looking. Yeah, but Acicularis really surprises me because Acicularis has always been very, very tricky for me to the point that I don't even have one anymore. So, mm. Acicularis, is that the very like long needle-shaped um, Yes. Foliage, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I, I wanted one of those at one point. Mm-hmm. I was like, Ooh. so maybe what it really needs is just a little bit of abuse, no yeah. nutrients, no nothing. Stick it in somewhere, and Jesse, do you got room? 
<laughs> yes, I do. I just kicked. I just. I just, just got rid of a variegated yeah. way anyway. <laughs> I just evicted a bunch of dead stuff. <laughs> Last week, I was like, "What was this?" Eh. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> um, but I know that was a lot of information, so we'll be sure to, you know, do a little Spark Notes edition of this um, in our show notes. Yes, but it's so interesting. Like, this is one area that we're looking at, and there's so much diversity. There's yeah. so much, like, different Hoyas there. And some of us have these in our homes. Like, we have a little bit of that. Dios mio. Patches. Look how big her tail is. Finish your circle for us, Jesse. That moment of inspiration. (laughs) No, I was just saying how it's so wild, like, that this is a single island. So much, like, diversity in, like, the terrain. So much diversity in the types of Hoya you can find there. We have that in our home. It almost inspires me to be a better plant mom so that... (laughs) Like I could collect something from all nine levels of Borneo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that'd also, be a cool project. Okay, if you have a Hoya that was from like, you know, getting ultramific soil or whatever, you know, it's in a better environment. Yeah. But just think some of your, you know, Hoya, its ancestors lived in a beautiful forest. And now it is begging for water every day from you. <laughs> Side note, Ultramific sounds like it's pretty good soil. Yeah, just the it, name it of sounded it. like the Terminator soil or like... <laughs> well, I literally just told you guys the I worst know. soil ever. <laughs> I know, but it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's like that TikTok where you see like somebody talking to their dog. They're like, you know, 200 years ago, you'd be suffering alone on the street. And now you're here with your own bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what we could talk to our Hoya. But that's a cute idea to have like... A Hoya that's found on all nine different levels to be like, this is my Borneo section mm-hmm. of my collection. These are my Hoya from Borneo. So speaking of Borneo, though, there are so many different species that are from Borneo. And I feel like there's like more and more. I mean, de- there's definitely more and more being discovered because there's a lot of like unknown, like unnamed species that we see even in the market now. And they're just called species Kalimantan. Species Sabah, species Borneo, because Mm -hmm. they're named after the locality, but they haven't been published. Like, we don't know the name of them yet. But as of 2022, there are 76 different species and three subspecies that have been published out of Borneo. And 50% of those are endemic just to Borneo. They're not found anywhere else. Wow. That's wild. Mm -hmm. It really is. And I know that logging isn't like a thing isn't a thing unique to like Indonesia, Malaysia, Borneo, mm-hmm. but it's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> and these, these uh, botanists are really trying hard to like get as much collection as they can. Yeah. And I know there's probably, I, there's so much more out there. I'm oh, sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, you know, we did that one episode where there was a Hoya that they had found in the wild. And then they said they went, you know, like three years again in that area was completely logged and they barely got a specimen before mm-hmm. that area was deforested. Yeah. And then they never saw it again. So Sad. imagine how many times it's happened. Yeah. And they weren't able to collect a specimen before that area was deforested, you know, but um, there's a conservation assessment that you see in all Hoya publications from the IUCN criteria. And basically what that is, it's just assessing, you know, is this 
plant found anywhere else? Is it endangered? Is it critically endangered? Is it extinct? Like just trying to evaluate what it looks like out there. Um, so all of Borneo itself, though, um, they say that that area just for Hoyas, it's kind of unknown what actually is the IUCN assessment. They said that the data is deficient at this moment, but they're still constantly assessing and trying to really see what the damage is that's being done. Yeah. Makes sense because everything's moving so quickly nowadays too. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there was that that one Hoya, but there is another Hoya that what well, like I was I was doing research and some Hoya are found in just like in small little pockets of Borneo. And there's one Hoya, the Bacoensis, which they've only ever found in the Heath Forest along one trail in Baku National Park. Really? And they named that Hoya after that park. Bacoensis. Wow. Mm-hmm. Why have I heard of that one before? I don't know. I don't even know what it looks like, but now I want it. Yeah. But it's endemic just to that area. They've never found it anywhere else. So just to think like, what is all the potential that Borneo holds that is just being killed, you know? Mm-hmm. How do you spell bacoensis? It's bake without an E. O-E-N-S-I-S. Cute. Okay. I like the flower. It looks poofy. It is I don't, I don't really think it's cute. thin leaf though. It looks like it's pretty succulent. Mm, yeah. It, like really, a, it reminds me like a, a lot of Minutiflora. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nutiflora is like just a little bit thicker than Curtisia. Mm. Just a just a little just, bit, just thicker. really just a little bit thicker, just a little bit thicker. But because of, there's so many different kinds of hoya that are found in Borneo, I thought it'd be fun to talk about a hoya that we've never chatted about before on the podcast that's endemic to Borneo or has been found there, and just do a little a little hoya species chat. Yeah, a little species spotlight. Yo, <gasps> yo, yo! Did you just? Spotlight. Did you just? I just came up with that. Wow. You saw it. Yeah, live. just lots of brilliance happening today here, guys. <laughs> so what's a what's a species you would like to spotlight, guys? What do you guys have? Okay, so I was gonna call this Bacarii, but you said that name. Bacarii. But you said Bacarie. Is there a different one called Bacarie? I thought at the beginning maybe you didn't. Oh Bacarie. Okay, but it's named after oh Bacari. Basari? Yeah. He's Italian. How basari, it, basari. It would be basari. Basari. Right? Because Italian doesn't have the k sound, does it? You're right. Yeah. So okay. basari, basari. Keep they that open. They do have up. the k sound. They do Itali- in Italian? Testa di cucuzza. Card-headed. Oh, oh maybe it's bacari. bacari. Okay. Okay, I'll go. Well, we're not, we're not professionals in any yeah. sense. So this is our sad attempt. But I'm not an idiot. That's where you both say no. You're not. Of course so not. The of course you're you're not. Talk about. Wow. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so the one I wanted to do a little species spotlight on was Hoya bacarii, bacarii, um, and it's named after an Italian botanist who is one of the most decorated. It seemed like of Malaysian flora. Mm. So a stud. Have I you seen a up, picture of him? Well, I looked up a picture when he was Let's younger, see. but he was still a stud in that picture. Look this at that one? beard. This one. Look at that beard. You're saying you're seeing smash on this one? 
Smash or pass, Jesse? Pass. Same pass. Okay. That's like my grandfather right there. Okay, anyway. but you know what? If it's if it's smash for you, not to yuck your yum. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I'll, if it's. I'll, I'll I don't know if it's. You. I don't know if it's smash for me, but I'm impressed by him. It's not a pass, so. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Hoya Bakariai. Now the reason I chose this one is because I saw the flowers, and I'll give you guys time to to search it. I'm looking. But <gasps> wow, this Hoya. <laughs> One, two, three, cute. It's, well. <laughs> it's octopusy. Yeah, this Hoya. It's <laughs> The One of the unique characteristics of this Hoya, and this isn't the only Hoya that's like this. There's others out there, but this one has is concave. Mm. Also, those peduncles are like all different lengths. They're all like... Well, that's a pedicel, but we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Sorry. Continue. Uh, but it's concave. So you know that like most umbles of Hoya, if you're just talking about the normal ones, it's either like a ball... You know, or mm-hmm. it's flat. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this one's concave, meaning like the shape of it is almost like the flowers are sitting on an upside down bowl. Like an umbrella. Like if yeah. you're underneath uh, an umbrella. Underneath an umbrella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the pedestals Under of... Umbrella. The pedestals, which is the each individual flower is on a stem that is a pedestal that's attached to the peduncle. And the pedestals on the outer flowers are a lot longer than the pedestals on the inner flowers. So it's it's almost like if you're looking at it from below, it looks like a firework. And I was, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's the coolest little flower ever. And now yeah. I need one. But the leaves are akin to like, I want to say you're like Hoya Rebecca, Hoya Lacanosa. Like nothing, it's, it's not like you're going to see that leaf and go, oh, this wow. is like so cool. It's yeah. very like lance-shaped, yeah, general-looking Hoya leaf, but that flower, I love that. Although, if you like that leaf shape, you go Glen Coco, because everyone's always yucking on my thin-leaved Hoya. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I don't mind that leaf shape. I mean, I don't deal with that leaf shape to get that flower, because yeah. that flower is cute. It and is. and when I say it's octopusy, it's it's like an octopus. Tentacles. Like, like, it's got the, like, many legs. It's octopus-like, yeah. Yes, octopus-like. I love that. That's so cool. It does look like a little firework. They say that the inner surface of the Corolla is pubescent. Yeah. So, um, the it's common throughout the distribution area. So it's common throughout Borneo, from lower levels up to a hundred, like up to a thousand meters above sea level, is where you can find this one. But it was often confused with another Hoya. It was often confused with Hoya revoluta. Mm. And they think that it's because the people who first named Revoluta, they were actually looking at specimens of the Bacaria. Oh, because I think they got confused. The pedestals of the Revoluta are not long, but the pedestals of the Bacaria are. And all of the documentation or the publications that talk about Revoluta uh, mention like the length of the pedestals. So, anyway, they do look similar in the leaf, uh, the foliage shape, color, everything. But the flowers do dis- distinguish the Bacariae. But oh. I was hoping that there would be a note, even if it's not like a specific smell, just noting that there's a scent. I know. But it, I, I don't see anything. No. What a cutie though. You know, I am, you know, I'm a girl all about the flowers lately. So maybe we have to get this one. I know. I don't know that I've seen anyone selling this one. I have never even heard of it. 
Maybe until, they just got to look. Until we I'm going I'm to be looking. Gandered at that book. I've been, you know, I've been real on that search this year. You so <laughs> The color of the flower, though, is very akin to like uh, species Affinity Burtonae. Yeah. Uh, that PGO4, Hoya species PGO4, mini Wayetii that I have, the Wayetii flower. It's like a it's deep pink. With the corona being like a yellow lobes, like the lobes being like a little bit maroon to yellow. It must be very, um, okay, I want to say juicy, but that's not right. Nectary? Drippy drip Lots of drippy drip juice. Because look, in this picture, you can see the nectar in the corner, so. Sorry, sorry. Slurp hater 2003, We still love you. That's your one allowance of slurping. Just... <laughs> bubbling up there but isn't that cute with the that's just like a little firework because baby you're a firework anyway <laughs> come on show them what you're worth da, 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 uh, uh, uh. anyway <laughs> okay jesse well what's your species spotlight my species, species spotlight, spotlight is a Hoya collected <laughs> <laughs> by Richard E. Rintz. So what do you guys think I'm going to talk about? Rintzii. Anyway. <laughs> Hoya Rintzii Borneo was collected by Richard in the 1970s. Wow. Yeah. It's like a little bit older than my mom. Um, and it early on was like in the same group with Hoya Elmeri, Erythrostema, and Mindorensis, but it was separated eventually. Um, it's got elliptic to ovate leaves, uh, good conspicuous vanation, and the flowers are ivory white or light yellow. They're so cute. They are very cute. With the exception of the inner process of the corona lobes that are, um, can be purple tinged. So I think this is a really cute, like, cute, cute flower. Okay. I have to, I have to mention. So Rincii, they're saying, was found in the lowland dipterocarp and riverine forests, which usually is like very, very shaded and canopied. Which makes sense because Rincii, if you give it too much light, it gets the, um, oh. That purple coloring, the sun, the, what's it called? Anthocyanins? Yes, it gets the anthocyanins mm -hmm. on the foliage. And so that makes sense. It's probably really sensitive to light because maybe because of the environment that it comes from. Because I'm sure in nature... If it's in like the lowland and by the rivers and under canopies, it's not getting a ton of light exposure. So yeah, it it does say like um, it's been found in, across peninsular Malaysia, Sumatra, and Borneo. But even though it's like in several areas, there's not a lot of the plant in those areas, so it's mm. still considered like not widespread, mm -hmm. not common. Um, and then it, like you said, it's found 500 meters above sea level along the rivers and draping trees. So it kind of yeah. likes a shady area and it can be an epiphytic climber on the trees, um, stays closer to the rivers. Mm -hmm. And so it's more humid too. Mm -hmm. So the interesting thing 
We've talked about Wendy before, who's at show.me.your.leaves <laughs> on Instagram. Hey, Wendy. And Wendy grows all of her plants in Ambient. And I remember one time she said that Rinsei is one that she has a really hard time growing in Ambient. So really? I'm wondering if this is one of... Because, you know, I mean, Hoya can adapt. And they mm-hmm. can adapt to being in a different environment than where they're originally found. But I feel like some Hoya have a harder time. So I'm wondering if this is one where you need to mimic a little bit more of that natural environment for it to be more successful. So I, we should ask our listeners if they're growing their rinsei in ambient or humidity and then post a picture and tag us in it so we can see like the difference. That would be interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I killed mine very quickly. <laughs> Because so, I believe it. If you're listening to this, <laughs> if you have a Hoya Rincia, how are you growing it? Send us a photo. Ambient, humidity, or... Give us all the deets. Yes. What, what kind of light it's getting, what yes. you have it potted in, yes. what your watering schedule is. Just give us all the information. We would love to know. Little... Help us. Yeah. Help you. I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now this is a... <laughs> All of a sudden, we're self-help. <laughs> help us help you. Help us help you. Just dial 988. <laughs> yeah, and along with what we've already been talking about today, it does. the publication does say most of the original collecting localities of Rintzii on the outskirts of Kuala Lumpur have probably been lost to development. This species is nonetheless common in cultivation and therefore, the conservation status is assessed as least concern. So they'll say least concern conservation-wise if it's common in, like, household collections. So even though you can no longer find it in its natural habitat, but you can find it in abundance in greenhouses and all mm. of that, then they would. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Because it's been conserved at that point. You're right. Yeah. But Hopefully. it just still sucks that it's, like. Not in nature. Never going to be in its original place that it occupied. Because if you think about it, I mean, if you weren't a plant collector, I guess you would just be like, oh, you know, like, what's the big deal? But really, like, even if you think like animals, I mean, it's sad that. Is there a scorpion? That scorpion that was by your front door the other day, bro, that it was this big. That was a big scorpion. You have to admit it was a big scorpion. I already mentioned that on this podcast. Yeah. Were you not listening to me when I was talking no. about it? Oh. This is off record. What if he saw a scorpion? He didn't. He's the, watching patches. You know that the bigger the, scared to go the in bigger there. the scorpion is, the less it it hurts. Because yeah, I they, got they look scary though, and it it paralyzed my whole body. So. I remember that. That was in high school. Mm-hmm. So you'd be fine if that big old guy got you. The things that happened to you in high school. <laughs> anyway. Uh, sorry. Yeah, you were literally in the middle of a thought, and I was just like. Because I didn't know what Hank was doing. Yeah, I thought he was on leap on her. Um, Lion King oh, scene. Yeah, like in conservation. A, yeah, if you were to see animals in a zoo, like it's not going to be the same as seeing them being able to live out their life in nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's almost as if like if we were confined to our bedroom for the rest of our life and never being able to go out, not even to the living room or like anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. it's just not the same. So it's still sad. So Lydia, what <laughs> Hoya are you going to spotlight today? Jesse, you crack me up so much. Because <laughs> you really are like helping move the story forward. But every time you help move but the story Lydia. forward. <laughs> so Lydia, what are you? <laughs> you get so prim and proper. All right. What is the name? 
week's topic on our agenda. <laughs> All right. No, for real. We need to get to Lydia's species spotlight. What's up, Lydia? Species spotlight. Okay, so classic Lydia. I had to choose me a little thin-leaved Hoya because... I love them, you know, so, so, so much. So, mm-hmm. Hoya Chuyorum. <laughs> I was just waiting to do it. I, I could tell. It was almost that, like that one time where I did the intro and you were like, <laughs> bit into my part of it. I'm Adam. <laughs> anyway. Hoya Chuyorum was named after Dr. Stephen Bosuana. And although it seems like it has nothing to do with his name, they actually used to call him Chew. So, yeah. I bet he chewed with his mouth open and I would hate that. Maybe he did chewing tobacco or, yeah, or right. you know. Or sunflower seeds. Who knows? But this is the one that was published in 2014, found in Borneo. It's a branching, thin-leaved Hoya. The flowers on it are Gorgeous. There's variations in them. So typically it's a orange creamy flower. The creamy part being the corona, that middle part and the corolla is orange. And the inner part of the corolla is pubescent. Mm -hmm. So it's got, yeah, little fuzzies, but there's some different ones. There's um, just a cream flower where the corolla is cream. There's ones where the corolla is... Um, orange. There's another one where it's orange and the Corona has a little tint of like reddish to it. And then there's one, which to me looks like the fuzziest of them all where it's the Corolla is orange and the little hairs that are coming up are almost like a creamy color. So really, really cute. The Corolla is almost, I would say if we saw like the underneath view bell shaped because it looks like the Corona is kind of like sunken down in the middle mm-hmm. of that flower. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, I can't look at it too long. It's so fuzzy. It is very cute. It says that. I kind of want a squish mellow of it. Would be so fluffy. Merch idea. The corona is ovate, is what it's called. Okay. It's an ovate corona. But there is a scent noted, and it's supposed to be a mild sweet scent. Oh. I know. Like, so what would be a mild sweet scent? Like when you're pouring out sugar and uh, you I'm almost thinking maybe like Hushkliana, but a little bit less. Because mm. Hushkliana smells like butterscotch, but it's sweet. Mm-hmm. So if it was without the butterscotch smell and a little bit less sweeter than like a Hushkliana is my, my okay, guess. That's what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. My Hushkliana is. <laughs> oh, Hushkliana. Is that? is that a new one? New species? It sounded like I said Melania and I was like, It did. <laughs> my Hushkliana is blooming, but I don't smell anything. But I also didn't smell any in April's and oh you guys were God. all guffawing over it. But that mm. butterscotch smell is strong. It is. I don't smell anything. Your nose is broken. It, it is, is a little broken, but Chuliorum is endemic to Sabah only. And they found it in one locality on the Crocker Range Hill Forest, which is about 1300 meters, which that's like right at that like cloud level of the mountain. So this is the area where it's like super cloudy. 
misty, windy, not a lot of light, which makes sense because I feel like a lot of Thin Life Hoya can do without highlight, mm-hmm. without bright light. So this is one I feel like with less light and some good amount of humidity, she's going to be thriving. So. And like not to not to throw shade because obviously we love Doug Chamberlain, mm-hmm. but I just saw this on his website because every time I just, and you know what I got to say, when I search for a Hoya name and his website comes up, I'm, I feel blessed. Yeah. Because like, oh, I know that man is going to give us a good info, but mm-hmm. his flower, his leaves look a little chlorotic. So it just seems like it, it's one of those ones where you give it bright light. It'll start, you Getting know, re- almost really like chlorotic. the multiflora, you know how like the multiflora leaves sometimes like got like kind of yellowy mm-hmm. and like, it's like, mm, I don't my, like my thought and I've, I'm doing a little science project on this is I feel like thin leaved Hoya can do with less nutrients and they're mm. prone to being over fertilized. Fertilized, yes. But see, I don't want to mix up different solutions. So what I do is I have oh, a bottle. Pour the- I pour <sighs> half and half. So okay, so I have two thin leaf toya that were getting a little chlorotic, but they're not under a grow light. Yeah, and they're not in any kind of dark light. And I thought that's really weird. And then I thought maybe I should adjust the fertilizer, adjusted it. Those leaves turned green Wait, after about kidding. a week and a half. Explain nope, the adjustment kidding. for those of us who don't know your. So all I did was the regular nutrient solution that I have, I make like a, you know, a jug of it. And then I pour it into a container that is easier to pour out of. So what I did, instead of filling the container all the way, I did halfway with fertilized like the nutrient solution that I mixed and then just poured regular um, water. purified water mm-hmm. on so you top of that. So it. I diluted it half. Okay. And you for only use Hoya, that for those? For my thin-leaved Hoya. Nice. Wow. So now I'm like, okay, I have some duplicates. And the you, duplicates- said, you said we didn't have any Hoya news? That's <laughs> Hoya news. Okay. Well, pro tip. It's, you know, it's still That's underway. But I, I have one where um, the duplicates, I'm just going to keep on giving... The extra to see mm-hmm. like what it does. So. Oh, so you're gonna keep giving one the mm-hmm. the normal what you've been feeding them and the right, other ones. Right. So we but the fact that it was like lemony lime, and then it went back to solid green after a couple of weeks. I mean, and you didn't move its location or anything. No, nice. Nope. I think ding ding ding. Yeah. So just you know, that's a park pro tip. Yep. <laughs> we need a, we need sounds for our little. Bright Species ideas. Spotlight, park pro tip, bright ideas. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Can we make a sound? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can take that and make it into a sound. No, no, no Please no, no, don't. No, because <laughs> no, then we're going to have a... <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to talk uh, about? The chewy orum? Nope. Other than that, I really want one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you got one, you know, <laughs> slide into my DMs. Let me buy one for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Are we done with this episode then? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I just want to say thank you to everybody who gave, you know, content ideas or episode suggestions because, I mean, we want to talk about things that you guys want to listen to because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, you guys are the ones listening. So, that's right. Yeah, we have some of the other ideas. Probably more than anyone else does. Quality control. Every time she pulls into my driveway, I'm like, that's my voice through a car and I can it's hear it quality inside. Quality control. I also don't want to like repeat myself because I will forget the things that I've said. So it is quality control because we care about quality, which is why that 
comment is making us so mad because they basically said like it blows out my ears. I have to keep adjusting the volume. There's a compressor, so I know that that's a lie. But anyway, please leave us a review. They help us get into other people's ears. Share this Five with stars. share this with a friend. <laughs> you know, you might have Hoya lovers out there that need to, to listen to this podcast. I mean, they don't need to, but it would be fun. Mm-hmm. We'd love to have you. Anyway, we appreciate you, and you can always find us online. Our Instagram is at Let's Talk Hoya, where we post synopsis not really synopsis each episode has a little story highlight so just look out for that um and our show notes are also posted in the link there lydia does work very hard on those minus the chatty episodes we don't do show notes for those but this one will have show notes so head over there if you want to read the show notes and you can also find us individually on instagram my instagram is at not dude i'm at the green plant dot az and i'm at peritos y plants adios Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.